Welcome back to the Not Almost There podcast. We are on episode 43, if you can believe that. I'm your host, Joe Chura, and today I'm having a conversation with talent manager, HeartMath certified instructor, and my friend, Kevin Heckman. I met Kevin while I was planning refuel last year, trying to get a talent he represented in Q, which you've heard or saw on this podcast a few months back. <laughs> I was trying to get him to be a speaker and uh, got to know Kevin a bit. But before I get ahead of myself, let me also explain what refuel is. Refuel was a one-day event I created back in 2017 for my employees. It was one day to give back to them so they can unplug from the stress of their daily jobs and refocus, re-energize, and refuel for the new year. We invite great speakers that have had personal experiences they share with the attendees to inspire and really put a spark in anyone who's listening or watching the event. It has not only made an impact on my employees and the community, through the philanthropic component, it has truly been a part of the catalyst for creating this podcast and our most recent event, Go. Last year was unique and humbling because it was in the midst of the pandemic. As you can imagine, we were up against the odds of even being able to have this thing. Uh, there's some crazy stories uh, about how we even got Tony Hawk in here. It was the last day before the lockdowns. A lot of interesting and fun stuff happened, but we persevered and we were able to get this live stream to over 10,000 people who tuned in as the event was happening. And better than any of that, we were able to raise $70,000 for a local food pantry called Loaves and Fishes. Case in point here, the pandemic forced us to think differently. We were able to create much more exposure for this event. And I am so pumped to say this will be the fifth year of hosting it. And there's a lot more to come. I can't wait to reveal the guests. We probably have the best overall lineup that we've ever had this year. And I think you'll be pretty excited about it. And you will be one of the first to know. So stay tuned. Make sure you follow this podcast for more information. Which brings me all the way back to Kevin. (laughs) Through working with him, I learned that he had a passion for meditation and breathing and is certified through the HeartMath Institute. If you don't know what that is, He'll explain it. I didn't know either. But what really surprised me in our conversation was how Kevin got started in meditation. And that was through a 10-day silent meditation retreat. Keep in mind, this was his first meditative experience in his early 20s. I have a hard time sitting still for 15 minutes, let alone 10 days in silence. Not only does Kevin tell that story and some other great information, but we start and end with two exercises you can do along with us that you can also add to your daily routine. So typically I'd say get up, get outside, but let's first sit on a chair or couch with your feet grounded. Let's focus on the breathing exercise first, and then let's head outside to finish this episode of the Not Almost There podcast with my friend, Kevin Heckman. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the Not Almost There podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thank you, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I want to set this up by, <laughs> it's, uh, it's again great to have you. I want to set this up by talking about how I got to know you a little bit. So early on in the podcast, you know, this is my first year doing it, and uh, we had we'd found you as, a, as an agent to a few people that we wanted to get booked on the show, Cal Fussman being one of them, Alex Benayan, Ben Nempton. And um, I think we we have uh, developed a bit of a friendship 
along the way and you had done what was a fantastic presentation to my company on how to relieve stress and use techniques and tools to do so. And I really wanted to have you on the show because there is a lot of need today to be able to dive into a toolbox when folks are stressed out and we are at still in a bit of an all-time high on stress as our lives were ever change from the COVID pandemic. We are in a completely different working environment, parental environment, and things have shifted and they'll never go back in some respects. And in some respects, that's good. In some respects, it's not great. In some respects, it's just different. And I think it's important to be able to cope with change because change is constant in life. So I'd love if you could, one, lead us through a breathing exercise and anyone listening to this podcast, uh, if you're walking or running, which I highly encourage, I think this is a great time to just sit and be still and just take a few minutes for yourself. So uh, maybe set it up, what we're going to be doing, why we're going to be doing it, and how it's going to help. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it was great being with the company and, uh, and, and loved hearing uh, the feedback from them. Uh, on it all. And obviously it's been a great, great time working with you on, on all of the talks as well with the other speakers. And so what we'll do, and we'll go into a bit more about what is happening and during the exercise uh, and why this even, why we're even doing this later on. But the biggest thing here uh, for me personally is just like how we respond to life. Uh, and I think, you know, like life can just like take, uh, take over um, that like awareness uh, the days just pile up and and we we sort of lose uh, the presence uh, so that we can respond to whatever comes at us uh, in, a, in, an, in an aware in an aware way in a way that we want and so this exercise is called the heart focused breathing and it's going to be like deceptively simple uh, we did it with the team and that's like one thing that I, uh, like when I first learned this, this exercise, I uh, was sort of in shock about how, how simple it was. But it's often that that can be like the most powerful. And so I'll guide us through it. Uh, wherever you guys are listening to this, uh, if you are walking or driving, that's fine as well. Uh, the point of the exercise is to uh, bring you into the moment to self-regulate your nervous system, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. So maybe if you want, slow down, stop for a second now, but eventually this is something you can be using while you're in a conversation, right? And so whatever you're doing, wherever you are, you can just... Start to focus your attention on the area around your heart. If you're seated and you're not driving, you can close your eyes. You can also leave your eyes open if you prefer. And just start to imagine your breath flowing in and out of your heart or your chest area. 
Start breathing a little slower and a little deeper than usual. You can inhale for five seconds. And exhale for five seconds. Now we're going to take three more breaths together, five seconds in and five seconds out, breathing deeply into your heart. And exhale. Inhale, one, two, three, four, five, and exhale, two, three, four, five. Let's do two more breaths. Inhale and fill up your heart, your chest, as if it's one of your lungs. And exhale. And this last one on your own. Whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. How was that for you, Jeff? It was good. It was nice to just take a few seconds, man, for your yourself and not have the notifications of life hitting you and just focus on your breathing. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's two sides to it that I just personally uh, uh, am always surprised by. One is the actual like what's happening in your body side of it. So the the science, the research around like in that forty five second window, uh, like the actual shifts that are happening in your body. Uh, you know, it, without getting to the science of it, like your nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system is being activated, which like releases the fight or flight that uh, often we're constantly in and actually starts to put your body into a relaxing state. And your body actually goes into like a recovery mode, like biologically. Uh, but then also to your point, like we're just like nonstop on our phones and just with that 45 seconds, and that could be 30 seconds, it could be 10 seconds. Like you can do it so much that you just are able to, in a moment, take one inhale and exhale and come back to that moment and that peace. And it's just always there for us. Yeah, I noticed you, you didn't say anything that I typically hear regarding meditation and that if you have a thought about something, just just let that thought go and keep focusing on your breath. And it's okay and normal to have those fleeting thoughts. Like you didn't really get into that during this. Is that intentional? 
Yeah. So uh, first, I would say that you know, my meditation teacher said this, and uh, and I really believe it. Like telling the brain to stop thinking, to stop creating thoughts, is like telling your heart to stop beating. It's it's a it's not going to work. So your brain is always going to think. You know, I meditate a lot, and uh, there's so many times that I meditate, and I'll even sometimes sit down with a friend to meditate who doesn't meditate as often, and we'll finish, and I'll go, man, I was thinking the whole time, and I go, me too, and that's okay. All that means is that there was a lot of shit in your head that needed to get processed. It's sort of like a, like a decluttering of your desk, Right? If your desk is like insanely messy yeah. and, uh, and, and, and you're sitting down to work, if you just try and work with that messy desk, it's going to be tough, right? There's going to be shit everywhere. And so you, you just have to, and sorry, I don't know if I can, <laughs> if the cussing is okay. Oh yeah. No, great. yeah. <laughs> just making sure. Yeah. So if, this isn't a, this, yeah, this isn't a kids. Okay, podcast, great. So, so if the, if, if the, if the desk <laughs> is, is messy, so all it is, and maybe that day you have stuff all over your desk and just cleaning up a little bit, will get you to do a little bit better work. Right. And maybe some days you slept really well, and yesterday wasn't as crazy. And so your desk is already clean. And so in those moments, you're able to sit down and maybe there's less clutter to clean up and you're actually able to sit and be very present. But whatever happens, it's always going to be beneficial. So I would sort of not even really think about letting the thoughts go. I mean, if you really get into meditation, yes, there, there are elements of uh, when a thought comes in, not trying to hold on to it. Uh, but this isn't the point of this isn't even that uh, the point of this, this breathing exercise uh, is just in any moment, like these are meant to be used in the moment in our lives uh, to uh, regulate yourself, to bring your back, bring yourself back into the moment, to take yourself out of that stress response. And it might be helpful if I give like some background. I mean, I'll, I'll give like a quick background on heart math just so everyone has sort of a frame of reference. Yeah, I was going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, I think that would be helpful. So heart math for 30 plus years uh, has been studying uh, the heart and the brain connection and uh, how our body responds to emotions and the stress response. And so they have really understood what happens to our body under the stress response when we're feeling depleting emotions like stress, frustration, anger, and, uh, and the, you know, detrimental effects it has not only on our body and our health, but also on our performance, uh, on our brain function, on our memory, on our focus, on our decision-making. And the, a lot of the studies they've done, they, I mean, they've worked with, you know, ranging from military uh, to hospitals, uh, to schools, to organizations, police and fire departments. Uh, really working with people in these high stress environments and helping them and giving them the tools to perform better in those high stress environments. So for example, like the green berets uh, will train hard math techniques in their first week of training uh, because they found through the research that it uh, helps with that decision-making in the moment. 
when you can use a breathing technique like this, right? And when you're under that stress and it's going to happen no matter what, it's sort of like the thinking, uh, like the point of this, me being here and, and even talking uh, with the team wasn't to say, I'm going to get rid of your stress. Like that's not going to happen unless you just decide to give up everything and, and, and move and become a monk and you're still going to have stress even in that situation. <laughs> but the point is yeah. you're not, uh, that you're not on high the entire time. Like there's this analogy that I, that I just thought of where it's sort of like you have like a, a kettle of water, of hot water, not an electric kettle, but let's say you old school, you got a kettle on the, yeah. on the stove. Um, I put a kettle on the stove, put it on high, walked out of the room to go do something and completely forgotten about it. And if you've ever done that, what happens? You come back oh, 45 yeah. minutes All later and you're like, you're like, shit. And the water's gone, completely evaporated, right? Water's been on high the entire time. So if you were to come in that room every five minutes and, and just right before it starts boiling, turn off the heat for five minutes and then turn it back yeah. on high, that water is going to take much hours to evaporate. But what we do is we just put ourselves on high and then we just leave ourselves on high for an hour and we, and we burn out. And that's really what HeartMath has been studying. Like, how do you use, they've developed these tools and techniques. They've, been done, they've done research over the past 30 years, peer-reviewed, all around how we can implement these tools into our own lives to get better at responding to life. And that breathing technique is like the foundational tool, that heart-focused breathing. It's like the core foundational tool to it. And there's more to it as well. And we can even maybe close with another exercise that goes a bit deeper into uh, a technique that, that everyone can use in their own lives. It's called a quick coherence. So we can do that maybe towards the end of the session. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. So why uh, maybe explain also is heart math. Like um, is it a, a curriculum? Is it an association? Like what is heart math and why did you choose that direction, what led you there versus the myriad of other options? That yeah, are. so HeartMath is a research institute. Uh, so they, in the research institute, they, they study this. I mean, they have a team and they work with a lot of other uh, research institutes to study everything that I pretty much just said and a lot more. Uh, it goes very deep. Uh, and then they have a for-profit side, which is the side that actually goes out and works with the military, police and fire department. So the on the ground coaches that go and work with people teaching these techniques. So for me, I first heard of heart math about seven years ago uh, through a documentary called I am, which is a beautiful documentary uh, by Tom Shadiak. And he, I, I mean, I was fascinated by them back then uh, just about the work they're doing around the heart and, uh, and all of this and on stress. And about a year and a half ago during COVID, uh, I came back to it. And obviously, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, professionally, I've been managing talent and booking speakers, the speaking agent and talent manager for, for years. And I'd always meditated, uh, maybe for the past nine, eight, eight years. 
uh, when I first got into it uh, on a when what I got you into it? I, I mean, in the first place, uh, I was on a so I, I was backpacking. I just finished school and I went solo backpacking for like three months in Southeast Asia. And I had never meditated before. Didn't really know much about it. I remember at one point during the trip, uh, I was in this hostel and this guy in the room was meditating. It was like one of those shared rooms and, and he was like sitting on his bed uh, meditating. And I remember looking at him going like, what is he doing? Like what, what is, what is like, what a weirdo. Yeah. Uh, and then towards the, did he have his like, yeah, legs crossed, like, like his a very classic, like, like he was like this eyes closed for like right. 20 minutes, maybe even longer. And I was like, what a weird, like what an interesting, and he wasn't talking. I, I was like very weirded out by it. And that moment is very important for me. And I, it's so clear in my memory because the trip continues. That was towards the earlier middle of, of that three, four month trip backpacking. And then at the end of the trip, I ended up, uh, someone recommended this retreat and I was more curious about that meditation after that. And so I went to this place and uh, it was a Vipassana. Uh, and it, it was like, he, the person that told me about it was like, it's a meditation retreat and it's really you know interesting. And so I go to this place and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And if anyone listening knows what a Vipassana is. So it was a 10 day silent meditation retreat. <laughs> so you went from nothing to that. Yeah. So pretty much like that 20 minutes that I saw him meditating for, it was that for yeah. nine hours a day, 10 days in a row without speaking. And was that the first, that was that's the, the first, first time, time I ever meditated was the first day of that. retreat. <laughs> so that was my introduction. I mean, there was like four hours of, of, of monks that were sort of lecturing, teaching meditation and then nine hours a day, you would wake up at four in the morning. Uh, you would only have breakfast and lunch, which was very bland, uh, and uh, no dinner. And you would, yeah, nine hours of meditation a day. Uh, and what what kept you there though? Like so, so you're you go there. It's completely unexpected. How do you how do you manage to stay in that environment? Like I I read uh, Andy's book from. Headspace. Uh, uh, headspace. Yeah. And he ends up like hopping over a fence and like ditching the whole, <laughs> the whole monk, the whole monk. And he was training for that. And you, it's your first time there and you end up sticking for the whole 10 days. Like what made you stay there? There was a curiosity. There was a, uh, something drew me towards it. I was, I was genuinely fascinated by it by the life of, of a monk. Uh, and I think I'd always sort of underneath been fascinated by that. And once I was there, I just figured, let's, let me do it. Let me just go through the whole thing. And I'm, I, I guarantee you there were a lot of really intense moments. I'm not saying it was all great. You know, I remember like day six or seven, I really started uh, just breaking down in very bizarre ways. Uh, and then I remember I just, day nine was just talking to myself. I started making games up with myself, like where I was like, I, I was making like a, a show in my head and the internal dialogues that would go on too. I mean, the, the meditation is one side of it, which was really intense. And I couldn't meditate for two hours. I would, I would 
they would sit there and say, they would ring a bell and say two hours, you know, be two hour meditation. I would med- maybe meditate for 20, 30 minutes. And then I would just sort of sit there. And the real intensity was, was in the thoughts. Like to your point of, of how do you, like the thoughts that come in, uh, yeah. when you're silent for 10 days and you can't talk to anyone, you don't have any distractions, when you have no real stimulation, when you have uh, no phone, no music, nothing, uh, a thought that comes in your mind stays in your mind until you're at peace with it. How old were you then? Uh, I was 21. <sighs> yeah. So 21-year-old in Thailand on vacation. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this, this is, is <laughs> like, who, who does that? Yeah. Yeah. It, like, I could see trying it for a day and be like, I signed up for the wrong, right, right. The wrong meditation retreat here. That's, that's incredible. So, like, the not speaking, did you, like, did anyone accidentally speak to one another? Is it really that strict where it's like you don't hear a word from anyone? Or so you hear uh, words from the facilitator. So there's monks that, that are teaching and that live there. So they're speaking to you. Um, and then the only thing we would say was like, there was like two sentences before the meal that we would sort of like whisper to ourselves, uh, before every meal outside of that. Uh, yeah, you're, you're not speaking at all. And that, that was really, I mean, going back, like it, like a thought would come up about a relationship. And I, I realized how often, and thinking about it now, before that trip, how often when I would get upset about something, like I would bottle a lot of things up often. I still, I still, I've gotten much, much better at it uh, about actually expressing the things that I need to express. But back then, like I remember as a kid in college, not expressing the things that frustrated me or when someone did something. And I would get away from it by listening to music or going to a conversation. And how often does that happen where you actually, you're thinking about something you need to say or express, and then you just forget about it because you watch TV or you go on Instagram or you start having a conversation and you, you're really just like pushing all of that down. And Mm -hmm. what I learned in that 10 days, and no one's really teaching. You just go to sit there and you go, how the fuck am I going to get this out of my head? Because this thought, this memory, this idea isn't going to leave until I am able to work through it in some way. And that was, to me, the most valuable thing is the ability to sit with your thoughts and, and actually process them in a way that, uh, that allows them to just move on. Were you allowed to journal? So they were, I think, depending on the place you go, they're more or less uh, strict on that. Technically, you're not. You're not supposed to. They allowed you to if you wanted to. I had to. Like, oh, I didn't have to, but I thought that I had to. In that moment, I was, uh, I couldn't not really. It would have made me just go too crazy. So I was taking notes and journaling when thoughts would come in. I would just write it down so I could let it go like that. So I wasn't holding on to it. But uh, like technically, I mean, you're in in a Vipassana, uh, you're not supposed to be writing at all. 
So it's just like a, comp- it's yeah, a lesson in non-attachment, it, right? And letting go of everything that comes in. Yeah. At the end of the 10 days, you just run out of there with your hands up, like, <laughs> I made it? Or what is that Yeah, like? I mean, it was very, very freeing. I, I would say another really fascinating part of the experience was, uh, it was, we were in Thailand, most people were international. So there was about 100 people there. There was a big rounds, and everyone, everyone's international. And so you don't know where anyone's from. You don't know what anyone's like but you're sitting down with them silently across the, the table, eating breakfast and lunch every day. You're meditating with them every day. You're passing by and making eye contact every day, right? So you, you, you develop relationships without saying a word and there's, you just feel them, right? And you make judgments mm-hmm. just based on how someone is walking or moving. And so I'll never forget there was just one guy we would eat and the, the food was buffet. You would you'd get your, you'd form a line, get your food, sit down, and you couldn't eat until... Wait, wait, what kind of, what kind of food was it? Sorry yeah, to interrupt. Yeah, so breakfast I just... was like this, like, sort of like, uh, like, a, like, a, like a rice soup kind of situation, like a, like a, a mush. Like a porridge. Yeah, like a porridge, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No salt. And, uh, and, and lunch was always like a curry with rice. And the curry was pretty bland, but it was, yeah, it, it was like no salt as well. Uh, and then some days for breakfast, uh, they brought bananas and those were good days. <laughs> uh, and then what about dinner? Uh, there's no dinner. You didn't eat dinner. Uh-huh. They, uh, it was either, it was like, you could have uh, like a tea and they had this, um, sort of like chocolatey milk. It wasn't milk. I forget what they called it, but it was that you could have as well if you wanted, but there was no dinner. So you would eat at 8 a.m. and 12.30 and then not until 8 a.m. the next day. Yeah, so you were, you were also dealing with like the food. And also, I, I can, you're sleeping on a, uh, on a, the room that you're in is a 10 by 10 room with, and then there's a 5 by 10 stone slab with a straw mat on it and a wooden pillow. And that's your bed. So it literally is just stripping you of anything that uh, stimulates. And in that situation, I mean, I was, I was like piling my clothes on the wooden pillow. There was like an indentation in the pillow. And I was just like piling my clothes on there to get some sense of, of comfort because it was just so intense. Uh, but I'll go wow, back to this that's is crazy. So, the judgment thing. So Yeah, go back so to the story. You would, you would have to get – everyone had to get their food and then sit down, and then everyone can start eating. And obviously, you're, I'm, I'm starving. I love food. I'm, I'm hungry every time we're eating, and I'm, like, stuffing myself, which wasn't the most conscious way to do it. Like, some people were fasting the whole time. Or, but So I, I get my food. I'm sitting there. Every, everyone is now sitting, and there's always this one guy every single mealtime who was just walking. So He was always the last one in line. And then he was always like everyone was sitting and he was just, like slowly picking up his, his food. And then he would like walk to the other side of the room to go and sit down. And then like everyone was staring at him. I was staring at him. And then he would, you would see, oh, he forgot his fork. So he would walk all the <laughs> way back to the buffet line, pick up his fork, slowly walk back. And this would happen like 
twice a day, every day. And I was like, this guy's a fucking asshole. Like, fuck this guy. Like I, in my head, I like developed this, this like anger for this guy. Like he's just cause he was slow. He was so I mean, he wasn't like me, slowing anyone down. He was though, right? so inconsiderate. Like everyone is waiting for him every single meal to eat. Oh, cause you had, uh, we couldn't eat until couldn't he was eat sitting until down. He was there. Got it. So okay. every single okay. meal we're waiting an extra <laughs> like five minutes for this guy to like get his food, forget his fork, get his fork, sit down. And I like really developed this, like, this guy's an asshole. He's like arrogant. Like I created this crazy story in my head about what kind of guy this guy yeah. is. And on the last, like the 10th the day, right? The 10th day is finished and there's, uh, it's like nighttime now. And we can all sit, go out and talk and talk to each other and meet each other. And anyway, we're talking to all the people. Hey, how are you? And I see this guy and I go, I'm going to go prove to myself that this guy's an asshole. <laughs> and so I go to him and I sort of walk up and I tap on his shoulder and he turns around and he goes, hey, uh, how are you? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, hey. And he's like, oh, how are you doing? I'm a, and he tells me his name and I go, uh, wow. And he's so nice. He smiled, the biggest smile. He didn't smile once the entire 10 days biggest smile Italian guy and I was like wow uh and I told him I was like man I gotta be honest with you I thought you were an asshole like you were walking so slowly and I told him the whole thing my whole story that was created he was like oh I'm so sorry I was just trying to meditate in every moment Mm. all he was doing was just trying to be really intentional in every moment. And in my head, I created this, this entire story of him being this arrogant asshole. And that to me was Isn't that, beautiful. I mean, it was like the perfect. That's, yeah. It's an amazing story. And it's like true in life, right? You, you judge without knowing. And one of the things I've been cognizant of, and I read this in a old Zen book by like Chuck Norris and like 20 years ago. And it was like, he was talking about someone who cut him off in traffic and, and was, uh, was angry. And then it turns out that the lady, um, it was a husband and the lady had cancer in the car. And they're like, you just never know when you approach a situation, what someone else is going through. And you always think about yourself. Someone's cutting you off. If something's happening in life and everyone thinks it's happening to you and it's intentional, but and many, many times it's not. And there's someone else dealing with something much worse. And I think that's exactly kind of the moral of your story is that like you, this guy was just trying to be intentional, get his money worth from the retreat. Not that to me, it was like enough's enough, like just mealtime, like let's eat. But I mean, in his mind, he was, you know, it was, it was 10 days and that I'm sure it was a uh, life changing for him to be intentional in every moment like yeah. that. Yeah, Exactly. You also just reminded me on the money note, a reason that I stayed that when I got there, I was like, oh, this I should stay was because I was on a budget. I like self-created a budget for myself every day. I was like, I want to do this within a certain amount of money. And uh, the full 10 days there uh, for all the meals, for the accommodations and for the meditation retreat was like $50. So like sleeping meals and everything was like $5 a day. So in my head, I was like, oh, this would be great for my budget. 
<laughs> How many people were there? Like 100, 100, maybe 120. Wow. And then a handful of people like left. Uh, they just started like talking. And yeah, if people started to talk, they would sort of like get them out. I yeah. But that was my introduction. Right. Go, so going back to, go ahead. Were you going to ask something? Yeah. Yeah. What was the, the, what was the, like the attrition rate of all the participants? Was it like half of them? No, left? I would say maybe there was 120 that started and maybe a hundred or 105 finished. It was about 10, 15 people, 20. Yeah. And so going all the way back, that was my initial introduction. And, and then it became a part of my life meditation. That was a very intense way to start. Uh, but I, I implemented some of those throughout, you know, earlier, uh, you know, when I got back and I, at that point I started managing talent and, and booking, uh, you know, corporate events, speakers at corporate events. And I would use those meditation techniques and over the next eight years started to implement them more and more. And then I, at one point I did, uh, I would say a much better introduction to meditation, which is uh, TM. Uh, transcendental meditation, which is, uh, it's very structured. Uh, it's much, much more accessible. I think in like this modern day, uh, it's like 20 minutes twice a day. It goes very much into, uh, what's happening, uh, when you're meditating. Uh, I mean, I, I really believe this, that in, and I think we're getting there already, but I think in 20 years, uh, they're pretty much going to be able to say, well, there's this thing that you could have done 20 minutes a day that uh, was like a super drug. And, and then at that point, the science is going to catch up to the reality of it. And especially with like the, the, the more stress that we're all feeling like this is that like pill that you can take that, uh, that will do all the things you need for your health. Like what, what's causing a lot of the, like, I, I'm not a scientist. I, I'm not uh, a doctor, but like, I think we can all be pretty clear that like stress causes a lot of the health issues that are going on in the world right now. Like, I, I think just it's, from my completely not scientific background, yeah. I can almost guarantee <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> and, uh, no, you're, uh, you're, a hundred percent, man. It's, it's amazing how the mind manifests uh, reaction in the body in like such a profound way. I mean, I, I told this story on last week's episode, but you know, we were getting ready for the Spartan race in Lake Tahoe and I had so much anticipation. I wasn't nervous per se, but like it was anticipation. It was adrenaline. And because of all that, I started the race and my heart rate was like, literally 50% higher than I expected, like 50%. And so just my mind was manifesting this reaction to my body. And it ended up calming down after like the first 18 miles, but it took like <laughs> a very, very right. long time to get through it. And I was like, the only way out of this is through it. But it's, it just goes to show you how you can work yourself up or, you know, you, you can think of a million things on how a thought would would create a reaction in, in your body. So I'm a hundred percent in agreement there. What so when you talk about transcendental meditation, I'm sure people hear that and they're like super drug, I want it, how do I do it? 
how do you recommend someone find out more or get started? Are there YouTube videos on it or is there a resource that you trust? Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, TM teachers. So one, there's a center that's, I believe, just called the Transcendental Meditation Center. If you just search it, uh, you'll be able to find it. So that's like a very basic level. There's a lot of uh, teachers that do different versions of it. Uh, personally, uh, the teacher that I had, her name is uh, Emily Fletcher and called Ziva Meditation. She has a book called um, Stress Less something. It's called Stress Less, and then there's two other words in there. Yeah. But uh, she's great. There's a lot of teachers that do it. I think um, just looking, at, a lot of them have videos. I think the biggest thing here, and, and I always recommend this for any type of teacher, is how you connect with the person. So like find someone that you actually connect with. That's going to be the best way for you to, to stick with it. If you actually can listen to them and go, oh, I, I believe this person. Right. Got yeah. it. So you recommend going to that, the website, then the, yeah, look, like, look just up. Google TM Center. Yeah, go Transcendental, yeah. Transcendental Meditation Center. Uh, there might be one in your city. Uh, there's often ones like that, just like hidden, but in, in all, in different cities, uh, they're all over. And, and then there's also online, like there's a lot of resources online. Like I know with Ziva meditation, Emily has like a whole online platform that teaches this. Uh, and there's a lot of them. I have another friend, Jesse Israel. I don't know uh, if his is specifically TM, but um, he was just on tour with Oprah uh, last year, pre pandemic mm. and was teaching meditation to groups of 10, 20,000 people arenas in arenas. So there's a lot of different resources and I would just like find the right one for you. Uh, the one that you can connect with the yeah. best, but uh, they're all out there. And that's, and that's something, that's something Kevin, that you, you have to do proactively a couple times a day versus the, versus using kind of a tool or do you, can you use, transcendental meditation to calm down. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I would separate them a bit and like, so I'll separate them a bit. Meditation, I think is incredible. And I do it personally. I have varying degrees of consistency. Sometimes I'm very much on it. Sometimes I'm not. And so with that meditation, it's more of a practice that you're supposed to be doing every day, twice a day, once a day, whatever it is for you in the morning, in the afternoon, and, uh, and it, 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 I, for me, it gets me very, very clear. Uh, it gives me energy, uh, for everyone who has different effects. The point of that meditation ultimately, if, uh, for me, I would say is to, uh, live a more present and meditative life, right? So the point of meditating isn't to become like an expert meditator, Right. It's to become, and this is, uh, uh, Eckhart Tolle said this, it's not to become an actual meditator. It's the point of meditation is to live a more mindful life. It's not to just sit down and meditate for 20 minutes and then get out of your meditation and go to the craziness of the world and not be aware of any of it and let your phone take you over, your email take you over and feeling it constantly going. It's to, even if it's one moment in your day where because you meditated that morning, you go, How are you? Or what do I need right now? Yeah. Right? It allows you to become more present. So that's with meditation. And then with heart math, 
the tools and techniques that they've developed are uh, different from meditation where they're supposed to be used in the moment. So whereas meditation, you're doing it twice a day at the times that you want to do it, and maybe you feel very stressed and you say, I need to meditate. These techniques are a minute, two minutes, five minutes, where you can use them uh, whenever you need them, you know, proactively or in response to a stressor. So you're going and starting your Spartan race, right? You, 10 minutes before the race, are like, oh, shit. My heart rate's, you know, way higher than it should be. I know why it's that way. All you need is that awareness of it. And the moment you have the awareness, you can take a minute and do that breathing technique. And, you know, it, it will make a difference. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. The more you do it in moments where you're not already stressed, the better you get at doing it when you are in that stressor. But a lot of people do it, you know, before meetings. Uh, just to start their day uh, after meetings, like a transitional moment. A, a big, a big one for me is uh, I call them like costume changes. Like we all uh, have different roles in our lives, right? Like for you, Joe, uh, you're uh, you have a partner or a kid. Do you, do you have kids? Yeah, yep. you have kids, right? Yeah, yeah. I have three kids and a, and a wife. wife and a brand new dog. That is not eating right now. <laughs> yeah. A little bit yeah, of stress. Okay, right. So you're, yeah. you're, you're a husband, you're a dad, you have a dog, you're a boss and a leader at your company. These are all different roles that you have in different times. And maybe you're at now even, even more difficult before maybe you were going to the office and coming back. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, everyone can, can maybe take a second right now if you're listening and, and, uh, and sort of categorize what the roles you have in your life are. Right. For me, I'm a, a boyfriend. I'm a, a speaker and a, and, a, and a colleague to a lot of people. Uh, and I, and a, I represent uh, talent. Um, I'm a son. Uh, I'm a friend. Right. Those are the throughout my week. Those are the roles that I play. And going from role to role, we often have no time. And so, Joe, you might go from being a uh, doing this podcast and your meetings all day, you might have a really long day of work, meetings back to back and leading and have to be that Joe, right? That's leading his company. And then you go upstairs or back home and you have to be a husband and show up for your wife in that way or a dad and show up for your kids or for your dog. And we often don't give ourselves a minute to change our costume to change the thing that we're doing because we are different naturally. You're naturally going to be a different person. And I think uh, even watching my parents growing up, uh, watching most people, I mean, I would see, and it's like almost a classic TV example of like the dad's at work, he comes home and he's like, Oh, I'm tired of work. Oh, no, no, watching TV. And I remember just thinking that's so crazy as a kid, but I didn't really get it. Like, there was no, I didn't have any concept of what, what was possible, but in the car, if you go take a minute in the driveway before you get into the house to do this breathing technique and let the weight, let all of that shit of the day off your shoulders 
so that you can show up and be the husband or the wife or the partner or whatever you are, whatever the thing you are, if you can be that uh, and be a bit more intentional, I guarantee you like that relationship, whatever role that is, you'll show up in a better way and you'll just let go of the weight of your day. Yeah. No, that I love the costume change because today specifically I have to play five different roles Mm. after this, I have to go present at a luncheon and then I have to stand up in front of a committee for another venture that I'm starting. And, uh, in between that play CEO to the company Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then be the father, the kids are home, they're off school. So sometimes I find that you don't, you don't get a a break. And what drives me is this constant, like having a lot of balls in the air, Mm -hmm. You know, and that's just like, that fuels me versus taking a step back and taking a breath and saying, okay, now I got to move on to this next thing. I got to change my costume for it. So I think that is amazing insight because often you run to the next thing and you're still carrying over. You're still wearing that costume from the previous thing, especially, especially with my kids and my wife, right? I could be there with them, but I might not really be there with them. Yeah. I might be thinking about what my day or what I got to do. So just taking a deep breath and being cognizant is a very good tip. Yeah. And this is one of those things where like just the world we live in right now, you can be like at your kid's soccer game on the sideline, like fully present as a dad or if you're a mom or whatever you are. And all of a sudden, you get an email and you're sitting at your desk. All of a sudden, you're still physically on the sideline. The grass is there, your kid's playing soccer, but you're at your desk working and you're in the office within a second, right? And those transition moments, like that's just crazy that that's one, the situation, but it is. And so we have to learn how to adapt to it and respond to that in the best way that we can. And like, this is, this is a tool and whether you're using heart math or whether you're using meditation, like to me, the technique is really not as important. I have nothing on it. I love heart math. I think it's really fascinating the work that they're doing, but I use other techniques sometimes and I don't use heart math. Like it's, it's one tool out of thousands of tools. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with Wim Hof, Wim Hof has breathing techniques that are yeah. really powerful and breath work as a whole is a fascinating way to just approach this. So like for the people that are listening, I would say this is one technique. And if you enjoy it, amazing, use it. If there's another technique you've learned in the past, if there's another technique that you want to learn, go do that. Because I don't care what you do. All I care about is that you uh, become aware because awareness is the first step of when you're in that moment, right, Joe, when you, being aware of that day that you had and as soon as you show up with your kids and go, you know what? I'm still in my work mood. I'm, I'm work show right now. Let me take a second so I can show up as, as the dad. Uh, the, the awareness now, is the only first step there. Now you, you have a demanding career. You deal with a lot of, uh, let's call it famous people slash celebrities, um, and have to manage their bookings, their schedules in some cases. 
how do you balance being available for them, knowing that you're there for them, and then taking that time for yourself to not live in this world of constant notifications? Yeah. Uh, that's a hard, it's hard one. And I think it's hard for everyone. We all go through it and it's hard in our own ways. Uh, it was a lot of not creating any boundary <laughs> and, and right. constantly being available and learning that it wasn't sustainable and learning that I'm able to actually show up in the best way as a manager uh, if I am creating a space for myself to do things that I need as well. Also realizing that so much less is urgent. If something is really urgent, I'll get two calls about it, right? If something is urgent, someone will call you twice. And yeah, if not, it can wait for the thing that you're doing. The biggest thing is creating, I, I, I would say creating boundaries. I think, uh, I think everyone, we, we never really learn how to create boundaries. Like none of this is really taught, uh, any of this. I mean, we never learn how to respond to stress right. in school. It's arguably yeah. the one universal thing that we're all going to experience that <clears throat> is a weight on ourselves. And we never learned how to respond to it in any real way. And we never really learned how to create boundaries for ourselves with anyone in our lives. Uh, and it's and it's really important because it's it's filling up your cup so that you can then uh, fill up others uh, and be there for others, whether you're filling them up or, or whether you're drinking with them, you know. And so, but but break that down yeah. a little bit. So, what are the boundaries? Because isn't it isn't it tough though? And I think this can apply to anything. You're meeting a new client, a new prospect. It's exciting with your reputation i'm sure you've you've you know people have asked like hey is kevin available that's really important to me when i need him is he available so like do you really have that conversation up front and say okay here's my here's my rules here's what i do if this works for you fine if not maybe we're, maybe it's not a good fit like do you operate in that way yeah uh, for me i think you First of all, you only know your boundaries when you get up to them and you pass them honestly. Right. So the, the first step to figuring out whatever your boundaries are, and I did this myself, is uh, noticing the things that, I, that are really frustrating me about my work, about the way I approach it. And you might be in a stage, and I was in a stage where for a while I didn't need the boundaries. I was saying, you know what, I'm going to put all of myself into this thing. And it's worth it for me right now, right? My boundary is actually in other places where this is going to take priority. But at a certain point, you go, well, you know what? This is really, it's bearing down on me, the stress, the work, the intensity of it all. So the awareness is first that this isn't what I want. Uh, this isn't how I would like. And then you say, okay, well, how can I, it's still my job. It's still, I have to show up. Are there certain things that I can carve out, areas that I can carve out that, uh, can be time for me or time for me to show up with my family or with my friends. And I would almost, you have to make sure obviously you're still showing up in that role. And if you decide, well, I don't want to show up in that role, that's a different decision, a different conversation. But if you're sh still showing up in that role in the time fully when you're there, when you're not, uh, when you're saying, you know what, this is my carved out time, 
I would say most people would respect that. If they know, if you're able to communicate those boundaries, and maybe it's a, a full-on communi- like conversation saying, you know what, I need this time. Uh, if it's urgent, call me twice and I will answer. If, I'm, if I see it, I will answer. Uh, otherwise, I'll get back to you like soon, like the next morning or right when I right. can. Well, I've, I found that too is like there's – Yeah, what's been your experience with that? So yeah, many I'm sure times you do this. when – Yeah, well, this is I'm sure very present for you. Yeah, so I've, I, I have a hard time with this. Like I still struggle with it because there's certain clients that I have that I've been able to grow these relationships by always being there, always being available. And some amazing things happen by answering the phone at inopportune times. I remember one, one quick story is sold the businesses. I take the family to Disney World. We're meeting a friend there. It's 3 a.m. I get a phone call. And my wife's like, who the hell is calling you at 3 a.m.? Typically, this is atypical. I don't normally get calls at 3 a.m. This, this guy says, I'm George from um, a large manufacturer, a large automobile manufacturer. And I represent Puerto Rico and um, uh, a certain territory that is fairly large. And I was online, I was watching your videos, I just figured I'd give you guys a call, not thinking someone would answer. So I crawl in the bathroom, and I have a half hour conversation with this guy. Fast forward, maybe a year later from that conversation, I'm speaking in Puerto Rico to uh, a huge conglomerate of car dealers, manufacturers, and establish a lifelong relationship. And I had no, nothing in it for me at that point. Like, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I was still running the business, still wanted it to grow, but it wasn't like this life or death thing. I just, I was in the highest point of my right. life and I, and this happened. So it's like, I do struggle because inherently in me, <laughs> I would like to please people. I like to be there for them. I like to, I like them to know if you call Joe, he's going to answer, just call mm. him. He'll help solve for it. And, and that is caused like a lack of boundaries over time. That said, over the last few years, I've realized that is not sustainable. And, and I have created boundaries. And in many cases, I don't get back to someone immediately. What I found is that 90% of the time, the answer or problem is solved. Mm, yeah, It's solved. It's solved either by their own doing or by someone else in my company. And that is, to me, a much more scalable way to run a business. It's just my inherent personality is like, let me be there for them because now, like, if I answer the phone for any time you call me, Kevin, you're going to know, like, hey, if I'm stuck in a predicament, I can call Joe. He's always there for me, right? right. And it's just, it, it's, a, it's a tough yeah. thing. It's like easier said right. than done, for uh, sure. So that's one thing. Yeah. It, one, yeah, a more sustainable way. You said, you know, if you're not always – so, one, I hear your example. And that's, like, it's a funny – and real, yeah. it's a real example. And that's true. And I think it, to me, like it really spoke to like the, the value thing. So like where values will always change. So one, it's amazing you did that. And because the way you show up, the way you do is the reason why you're in the place you are that you are, right? Like th- those things, I'm sure those traits that you, the reason, the, the way you answer the phone at three in the morning that you crawl into the bathroom is the reason you were, you've been able to get to this place. And, um, 
and, you know, not maybe answering it all the time now in your life, maybe a, uh, a you know, 90% of them get dealt with anyway, like you said, and it's a more sustainable way to run a business. And I would also say like a more sustainable way to live your life. Like what's the purpose of everything that you do? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and for everyone that, that answer yeah. might be different, but like the, what, what is the purpose of, of what you do right now for you? I mean, for, for me now, I love, that's why I do this podcast. I love having folks like you on to give other people's tools that I've used or I found helpful in their everyday life, health, fitness, uh, overcoming adversity mentally, overcoming tough things and like to lead by example. So to me, the greatest gift is giving and that's what this podcast is. Right. And that's what, and that's what I do. Um, that's what refuel is yeah. where the, the conference that you'll have some, some folks at this year. And, and I found that selfishly, uh, it makes me feel the best when I give to, to, to others. Um, that said, like there's certainly opportunity for me to not like, if you're going to be so, um, one-sided on the pendulum of life, like if I'm going to be so one-sided that I'm answering the call at three in the morning, something's going to suffer on the other side. And to your point is like, what is the meaning of it? And that's what I've been reflecting yeah. a lot. Like, what is, what is the meaning of it? Like if I'm on my deathbed and this is an exercise I've done and I've thought about yeah. a lot and I'm laying there, it's a little bit morbid, but I'm just sitting there. I'm not going to remember me answering the call for someone for them to think I'm a really good entrepreneur and CEO and running a business. I'm going to remember the time I didn't spend that I could have with my children and with my wife and more shared experiences with friends and family. And that is why I cherish those things. And I've, I've grown to really appreciate them. And I encourage and lead others into things like that Spartan race. Going back to that example, I brought 10 people with me to Lake Tahoe and I'm like, let's do this. None of us have even did a Spartan race. And we, cho we choose the ultra 31 miler in the hardest course that there is, but we have an amazing shared experience now from it. And we have so many stories from it. That, that, that to me is way more valuable than a car or house or tangible thing is that experience. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've grown to realize. And I want to be able to share that message with folks. And that has become my why. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. That is it. Right. And I, yeah. and I think such an important part of this is, and this is what, to me, uh, you know, meditation ultimately gets at, heart math ultimately gets at, uh, at all types of mindfulness and, 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 and everything in that world is that you are your own guru. Like, you know what's best for you. And you're actually the only one that's going to know what's best for you. And all it takes is that minute to slow down to breathe, to do something that connects you with your, your heart, yourself, that, that inner voice and check in with yourself. Cause I, I've done this and I'm sure everyone that's listening has done this is that you could go days, weeks, months without ever really checking in with yourself and asking yourself why you're doing something. And if, if it's what you want to be doing and there's no judgment, like the answer might be, you know what? I'm, fully putting my energy into my work 24 seven. I'm responding to every single call I get because that my sole goal right now 
is to build that my career and my life. And that's completely fine as long as you're aware of it and you know why you're making that decision. But if you, you know, if you're, if, if I were to ask you and someone were to say, well, I, I like your answer, Joe was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Like the, I, I love that. Uh, I mean, mortality is the, is the one thing that I think uh, is a hard line to why are you doing what you're doing and the conscious awareness of what you really want to be doing. Right. That was the awareness yeah. of your mortality. Yeah. And so well, that was beautifully said. And I would say just be aware of it. And if it's this technique or whatever, whatever it is, uh, heart math is not going to give you the answers. This podcast is not going to give you the answers. Tony Robbins is not going to give you the answers. Deepak Chopra is not going to give you the answers. Gary Vaynerchuk is not going to give you the answers. No one is going to give you the answers you need except yourself. And you just have to like listen to yourself yeah. and take that time to like check in. And like therapy is, is very helpful. Your friends are very helpful. You know, a, a coach, a business coach is helpful for finding podcasts, are helpful for finding all those things. But ultimately, it's like, it's not prescriptive. You, you need to just take the time to uh, listen to yourself, to be quiet uh, and, and, and learn and, yeah. and understand what you really want for yourself and what you need. And, uh, and take action. Like right, I had Rich Roll on the podcast recently and his, uh, big thing is mood follows action. And I think that is so true. Like you can, you're not gonna, you can listen mm-hmm. to every episode and not almost there. You're not going to be a better human. <laughs> like you have to, like, I wish, I wish I could give someone that, but like, or you're not going to be able to just relieve the stress automatic. I mean, maybe you will, but I think you just need to take action towards things. You do need to sit down and we'll conclude in a minute with another exercise, but you do need to sit down and take a breath. And, and if you want change, you have to take that step forward. And I think that is, that's so right on. Yeah. And everything I, I I love that everything that you, uh, everything you, that comes to you that, 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 that you're given in your life, the good and the bad, those things are your teachers. Right. So like yep. you make this decision, you know, that, uh, the, the, the traffic on your way to work, uh, that's your teacher, your delayed flight. That's your teacher, right? The tech yep. issues before your call, the heart rate up before your Spartan race, like all of those roadblocks that we see, those are, that's your, your teacher going like, this is where you learn. Right? Yeah. And, and you know, what's, cr- what's crazy about that, Kevin is like, I knew what was happening and I knew the techniques and I've tried to Mm. slow it down and I couldn't, I could not effectively change my body Mm. at that moment. And the only way out was through, was through doing it. Amazing. Uh, The only, and then, and then the first 18 miles were like that. Then the remainder, my heart rate was actually lower. And Mm. when do you exercise where your heart rate actually goes lower from doing the same thing? I mean, it was like, it went from like 150 to 160 to like 130. And I was like, wow. this is, this is crazy. Just because I was like, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to make it through this. Like I'm doing this. Nothing's stopping me. If I'm moving forward, nothing's going to stop me. And once I came to terms with that, I, it totally relaxed myself. And I think part of that was on I mean, quite honestly, like I have a podcast called not almost there. 
I, to me, I owe it to the audience to not just say things, but do them like, like, and, and I like that. I like that accountability. So if I was just talking about this stuff all day long and not doing it, like, you know, who am I to learn anything from? Mm. But the fact that like, we all went out there, we, we, we did it. I had to come back and that's, I kept thinking about the audience. I kept thinking about myself and I kept thinking about my family and the effort that it took to get there. And even though I got hurt at mile 11, I was like, as long as I'm moving forward and finishing this thing. And again, that changed completely at mile 18. And I'm like, I'm finishing this thing, you know? And, and sometimes the only way out is through, and you can learn all the techniques and have this toolbox, but it may not always work. And, but just keep moving in the right direction. And all of a sudden it will. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's great. And I'll add one thing that I, well, Hey, I know we can close. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's something that I just want to come back to that that's sitting in my head. So, uh, it actually came from a conversation with Colleen on your team. And, uh, it was before the session with your team and I was talking to Colleen and we were talking about all of this heart math and, 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 and what the talk was going to be and all that. And, uh, we were talking about like those either those costume change moments or the moments where you're 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 stressed at whether you're at work or you're in the middle of something and uh, and you know that you need a second right uh, like for example and I'll I'll give this quick example of the probably the most accessible thing is when you're stressed uh, and are frustrated in the conversation it happens for me often is you're frustrated in the conversation, you're not communicating well, and you either, either like, uh, I, I don't have the words to say what I want to say, or I say something I didn't even mean to say. I don't know if you can relate to that. Like, you're angry, you're upset, oh, yeah. and you're like, All you either time. can't find the words, or you say something, you're like, that's not what I meant. That is a biological right. thing happening, right? Like, your, your body's going into fight or flight because of the stress of that conversation, and then when that happens, uh, your, those, those brain centers start to shut down that help with communication, that help with all of that stuff, right, with focus. And so when I realized, oh, it's biological, and all I need to do in that moment, in that conversation, is while I'm in the conversation, start to breathe. I start to use this. I've started to use this all the time, and it's been incredibly helpful because in that moment, and that's really the key here before we do this exercise, in that moment, you can start to self-regulate uh, while you're mid-conversation. And so, so wait though, what happened with, with so yeah, Colleen so I'll, I'll get to it now. So we were talking about oh, okay. when, work, okay. when, when you're, um, when you're in the office, right. And I was saying, you know, it, it's a, like my, my dream is for companies to implement, uh, like before meetings, like every company should have like a minute before every meeting where you don't want to call it meditation. That's yep. fine. But just breathing where everyone sort of lets off yep. the, the intensity of the day uh, of every, not the, everything that happened before then, and they come in fully present. Or if you have an intense several hours of back to back, and now you need to sit down and get work done for it to be normal to say, I'm going to take five minutes. And we were saying how funny it was that, you know, back in the fifties, sixties, seventies, smoke breaks were very, very normal yeah. and acceptable. And if you take out the smoke is horrible, smoking is bad for you, right? You're, you're inhaling this, like, dr- this horrible toxin into your lungs. Separate that for a second. 
What was the smoke break? Something that people did where, when they were stressed out, where they stepped away from their work for five, 10 minutes, and they just breathed. <laughs> and for all of the, the yeah. negative aspects of smoking, I'm sure that the stress side of it was actually helpful. And it's crazy to me that that was more acceptable back then than saying, I need five minutes to go and breathe in, in an office now. Yeah. And I think that the goal would be for would be for this to become as socially acceptable as a smoke break was in the fifties. I think that to me I, is really, I really completely yeah. agree. Yeah. I've, I've started meetings with that, with that too. And half the room looks at you like you're nuts. Right. 25% in the room appreciates it. And, and the other 25% is like, huh, that kind of worked. So it's, it's really interesting. And I, I firmly believe that like you have to, take a deep breath and uh, just even one, one deep breath or two, like just to get you more grounded in what you're doing uh, makes all the difference. Yeah. And, and again, uh, Kevin, easier said than done in some cases, you know, some cases you get so worked up. I know, I know I do once in a while and, and I often regret uh, a reaction and it used to be worse. And over time as I've meditated more and thought about things, I've, I've got better at that. But if, if, something triggers me or charges me. I try to take a deep breath, but sometimes your emotions get, get the best of you. And I think what I've found is we're not perfect. We'll never be perfect. You got to recognize that what you tried to do, try to get next time and maybe modify it. And, yeah. and then that's when you learn other emotional intelligence techniques, like walk away or, you know, don't say that thing, sleep on it. Um, and there's a million other, yeah. other things you could do as well. Yeah. Be easy on yourself. Like we're all yeah. learning. We didn't learn this. If we learned this as kids, it'd be much easier if this was like the culture at that point, but we didn't and it's okay. So when yeah. you have those reactions, be easy on yourself, forgive yourself, move on. You'll get it better next time. You know? Yeah. Man, I could talk to you all day long. I can't believe it's already an, <laughs> hour, an hour and uh, ten minutes. But let's uh, let's yeah. wrap with um, with another technique. I'd yeah, love great. That. So uh, the technique is called a quick coherence, and it'll start with that same heart focused breathing exercise that we started the the session with, and then we'll close. Uh, the second part of it will be um, I'm going to ask you to to experience a renewing emotion. So all you need to do is like really put yourself into a moment. And, and I like to come up with like an emotion bank of like positive emotions, like, and the best ways to, 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 um, to plug into those I found are uh, memories, people, places, and pets, right? So Take a second, Joe, everyone, everyone, everyone listening, take a second and choose uh, one of those things that make you feel uh, emotions. You could choose one emotion like love, joy, uh, excitement, peace, contentment, uh, gratitude, compassion, uh, appreciation. You can make one emotion, one memory or person or place or pet that makes you feel something. You know, for me, for example, um, I love this hike. There's a hike called Temescal Canyon uh, right in L.A. 
and like standing at the top of Temesco at sunrise for me is like the most peaceful place. So I put myself right there and I can smell the smells. I can feel the feelings. I can see it. And if I start remembering that, I go, I, I go back to that peaceful place. So it takes 10 seconds. Come up with your place. Do you have it? Great. Yeah. What is do. it? Do you want to share it? Yeah, sure. So I was just thinking of uh, my wife and I hiked Half Dome and it was uh, a very uh, arduous uh, hike and it was the toughest thing she said she's done in her life physically. And when we made it to the top, when we, we, we got there, I was just thinking about that moment and looking around at Yosemite Valley and uh, all the beauty and what it took to get there and the risks and the, the adventure that we had together and the shared experience. It was, uh, it was incredible. Yeah. And what, emo- what does it make you feel when you, when you remember that? Oh, it makes me feel grateful mm. that I have a partner that is down mm. to do something that crazy with me and she didn't want, really want to do it. And we, we entered the lottery and we got it and she's like, guess what? We, we won the lottery. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, I guess we're going. <laughs> and you know, she mm. took that chance. Cause it, you know, you have to climb cables and a bunch mm. of other crazy stuff to, to get up there. So uh, I was very, very grateful okay, for her. Great. So there it is. So I'll start us off and I'll guide us through the exercise uh, and everyone listening, just use whatever emotion and, and, and memory or place that you, you thought of. So start to focus your attention on the area around your heart. Just imagine your breath flowing deeply into your heart, into your chest and out of your heart or your chest. You can slow down your breathing, five counts in, five counts out. We'll take four breaths together. You can inhale. One, two, three, four, five. And exhale. Two, three, four, five. Inhale. Breathe deeply into your heart. Feel your chest filling up. And exhale. Take these next two breaths on your own, filling up your heart or your chest area with each inhale. Let's take one more breath together. As you inhale, let this be the deepest breath you've taken all day. Fill up your heart and exhale. And now I want you to experience that renewing emotion. 
feel that feeling that you thought of, that gratitude, appreciation, that joy, love, peace, contentment. Start to put yourself in that place that you thought of. Or be with the person you thought of, be in that memory that you thought of. And for the next minute, you're just going to be there. You're going to feel that feeling as if it's happening right now. Feel all of the feelings that it brings. Put yourself there. What does it look like, smell like, feel like? Who's there with you? Now, with your own time, you can slowly open your eyes, bringing those moments into this moment. There it is. How was that, Joe? How that was, was that uh, incredible, man. It's incredible. I'm fired up yes, for the day. Recharge. Ready to costume yes, change. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> this is your first one. Your first costume change of the day right now. You're going from it podcast is. host. It is. To, uh, to uh, speaker. To speaker. Look at that. Uh, yeah. Um, and probably a little, uh, little stuff yeah. in between. <laughs> Hey, Kevin, how can people find out more about you? Yeah, so uh, on everything, it's just my first and last name. So Kevin Heckmat. So website is kevinheckmat.com. That's uh, H-E-K-M-A-T. So kevinheckmat.com. Instagram, at Kevin Heckmat. Facebook, Kevin Heckmat. Just on, on everything, it's just first and last. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, the the real magic here is is just bringing this to more and more people, uh, to teams, because uh, I feel like uh, it's not only, given that we didn't learn this in school, uh, it's it's not only I think the responsibility of of companies to to bring this um, and to teach teams to do it, but it's also to to their benefit. Uh, for you're 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 going to have a happier, healthier. Uh, team, uh, if your team is like aware of this, a team that wants to be there longer, uh, that wants to to stay on, that that enjoys the work that they're doing, and is more aware of that. So, 
that's really more than anything, uh, you know, why I'm here in this moment. Yeah. Well, you have an amazing gift to teach and uh, your, your demeanor is certainly a strong and apparent that you practice what you preach. Appreciate uh, that. And I can't thank you enough for this conversation and the, and the time that you spent with us in the audience. And I'm without a doubt, people are going to get a ton on this episode. So expect folks to reach out to you. And thanks again, man, for being here and being thank a friend. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun uh, uh, working with you guys and, and, and excited for more. Big thank you to Kevin for joining us today. Taking the time to check in on yourself is something I'm really connecting with from this conversation. Learning, understanding, and taking action because a friend of our show, Rich Roll, reminded us, mood follows action. You need to take that step forward because all things that happen in our lives are our teachers. So what are you learning from them? And also remember, as Kevin said, be easy on yourself. And remember in the meantime, you, me, we are not almost there. Have a great week, everyone.